Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hello and welcome to LiveWire's Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Ali Selby and today we're learning how to generate a little bit more bang for your buck. Everything is so much more expensive today. Think rent, groceries, electricity. So let's put a little bit more dosh in your pocket. We're joined by two income experts. We've got Don Hansen from Plato Investment Management, Michael O'Neill from IML. We're going to be learning how to generate passive income in 2024. Let's get straight into it. Yields look like they have peaked or are peaking. Michael, I might start on you. What does that mean for investors? Well, we're in a tricky spot in the cycle, Ali. So the market's expecting yield cuts in the back half. For the US, I think they were, until very recently, there were six yield six rate cuts, sorry, baked in for the second half. But if you look at where earnings expectations are for the equity markets, we've still got expectations for over 10% earnings growth. So there's a real incongruency there for me and for investors in looking at uh, equity markets as a source of income. On the one hand, you don't want to be overly exposed to growth stocks that are vulnerable should the economic scenario not paint as quite as rosy a picture as the market's suggesting. And on the other hand, you've got to be careful with the cyclical stocks whose earnings might be challenged. Where we see uh, really good opportunities for income from equities is in your low-risk industrial stocks. The stocks that are less dependent on the cycle playing out in a certain way in order to generate their income. Okay, how about you, Don? What's your outlook on income equities in 2024? Oh, we think there'll still be solid income there. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. A lot of the stocks that people were expecting to disappoint, like a lot of the consumer discretionaries, have actually surprised on the upside. Okay, their earnings are off a little bit, but they've actually done very well. So we're still forecasting that we'll get about a 9% yield out of our, uh, our portfolio this year. Okay, this question's a little bit redundant including, there. Including Frank and Credits. Including Frank and Credits. <coughs> yeah, my next question was, you know, TDs are yielding around 5% right now. That's term deposits. Should investors even risk their money on equities? Well, that's up to the individual investment uh, investors as to their risk tolerance, etc. You know, the yield in the, on the equity market itself is around 6%, including Frank and Credits. And if you tilt towards higher yield stocks like we do or, or actively trade them, you can, you can generate certainly much more uh, income than that. And there's no franking credits on your 5% term deposit. So, you know, uh, that's worth a 5% cash yield on a, on a fully frank dividend is worth about 2%. So if you can get 5% cash yield on a stock, uh, it's really worth 7, not, not 5. I'm guessing you probably agree, Michael. Oh, I agree with a lot of Don's, what Don said. I'd add a couple of things. I mean, with TDs, you have the issue of liquidity and early redemption. I think for us, the, the key message, uh, whether you're choosing asset classes or investing in equities, is diversification. So I take Don's point that if you start with a strong base of good dividend-paying stocks, hopefully sustainable yields based on the cash flows and the balance sheet, not looking to those more cyclical, more discretionary spaces where dividends could be challenged, you can add franking, certainly, um, to the equation. You also have option income, which um, is uh, something people are less aware of, but can sustainably deliver 2 to 3% per annum 
And if you do it in a way that maybe doesn't, uh, is careful in not to crimp your capital upside too much, you can have an income stream which is steady and growing. It's important for people who are looking to uh, live off their income. Okay, our readers love a stock pick. I'm going to ask you for two, but I want one where the yield is sustainable and one where it's unsustainable. I think a topical place to start is the property sector. One property stock where the yield is sustainable is, is region. Uh, you've got a, a business where, you know, the majority of your rent is coming from large uh, and, and in many cases uh, non-discretionary anchor tenants. You've got enviable uh, retention at over 90% and you're also getting underlying growth of around 3% in rent. So sure there'll be a step up in debt costs that we'll have to wash through, that's being covered by the rent increases, but at the same time they're selectively selling down assets to reduce debt. Okay, and one where it's unsustainable? I'd have to call out the elephant in the room, BHP is the, as over 10% of our index and has been a big component of dividends. I think it's just over 5% today. But if you look longer term at what might be a sustainable iron ore price, we've seen it spike to a dizzying highs of $160 per tonne. It's back in the 130 uh, range or thereabouts. And ultimately, when the supply and demand imbalance corrects, puts not only your dividend, but also potentially your capital at risk. Okay, over to you, Don. Do you agree? BHP and Regent, what's your sustainable and unsustainable picks? Uh, look, I, I think in the short term, BHP's yield's going to hold up pretty well. We're, and we're quite short term in the way that we view stocks. We don't have, you don't have to hold, your, hold them for five or ten years, you know. So, uh, and in commodity prices, it's obviously very cyclical. But um, I'm just going to go to a very boring one and say, you know, some of the banks have got pretty good yields, seven, eight percent, you know, when you include the franking credits. So you've got something like a NAB, which is performing pretty well. Um, not quite fully frank, but still a, a, a pretty good yield. So that'd be my buy. I mean, uh, there, there are resource stocks that I think you are definitely unsustainable in the short term, and that's obviously anything that's really a lithium or nickel miner that's been paying yields. So look at Pilbara's currently trading on a 10% gross yield based on last year's dividends, but obviously lithium prices have absolutely been smashed in, uh, recently. So that is, to me, unsustainable. But I mean, I think you've got to realise you're going into resource stocks that they are cyclical. You can make some good money in the short term, but you do have to have your eye on what a commodity price is doing. Okay, looking out over the rest of 2024, are there any risks that you think investors should be aware of? There's always risks, there's heaps of risks. And, you know, Michael's already said one, I mean, you know, people are baking in interest rate falls, but if inflation remains sticky, then, then you know, maybe interest rates won't come down and we won't, and, you know, we could still have um, a hard landing. I doubt it, to be honest, because actually inflation surprised on the, on the, on the lower side in the, in the December quarter. Uh, I've already mentioned lithium and, and uh, nickel prices have come off big time in the last uh, few, you know, six months. They're actually quite a small part of our index though. I'd be much more worried if iron ore prices came off 20 or 30%, but at the moment they are remaining pretty sticky. Okay, over to you, Michael. Are there any income traps that you think investors should be aware of in 2024? Well, there's, there's always the trap of investing co in companies with unsustainable payout ratios, and I think that's ever-present, particularly given not all companies have refinanced their debt or are baking in higher interest costs in, in their debt. So you've got to be quite wary of that. I take Don's point about uh, looking at the commodity space, and you know, BHP is such a big contributor to index dividends, we've got to be careful. But I, look, I agree. I think lithium is the space where um, you know, you've seen 50% fall in the, in the last quarter in prices and, you know, if you take IGO, Mineral Resources and Pilbara, their dividends are off 70%.
So I think commodities is where we're most cautious. Okay. Obviously, both our guests run diversified portfolios, as you should too. But I have a little bit of a challenge for Don and Michael today. I've asked them to select one stock and one stock alone that they could hold or they would hold if they had to in 2024, just for income alone. Michael, what have you chosen? Well, my favourite income stock is Charter Hall REIT. That's the long whale REIT. It's got over a decade long weighted average lease. Uh, it's got an enviable book of tenants uh, and uh, on the uh, non-discretionary side. So, re, uh, you know, neighbourhood shopping centres, Woolies, Coles, Aldi and petrol stations. So the rent grows in the neighbourhood centres with turnover and in the petrol stations with CPI, triple net leases. They've also got on their $4 billion portfolio a program of selling down assets to reduce debt. So again, while they weather higher interest costs in the short term, you should actually see some growth in that yield as you look through. Okay, over to you, Don. What's your one stock you would own if you had to? Only one stock. I know you run a diversified portfolio. What's the one stock you'd own in 2024 for income? So it does go completely against my sort of trading and probably Michael's as well, that you know you want a diversified portfolio. Uh, don't put all your eggs in basket. We actually have like about 90 stocks in our portfolio, believe it or not. Wow. So one or two of the, good, of the banks are actually going to pay you good solid dividends and those franking credits. I mean, we prefer stocks with paying frank credits rather than the REITs but, or the unfranked ones. Okay, I'm going to push you for one stock. What banking stock would you choose if you had to over 2024? Okay, I'll push NAB. <laughs> and, and why? Oh, it's, it's got good results at the moment. It's, it's uh, getting its act together. Its business banking is very, very strong. Uh, I, I think they're, they're getting it there and it's a reasonable valuation, whereas CBA is way too expensive. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Buy, Hold, Sell as much as I did. If you did, why not give it a like? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're adding so much great content just like this every single week. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.